0: Three, two, one, 2, 1, go. We're live. This is Retrace segment number 81 for Wednesday, December 14th, 2022 at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Retrace is about what's going on out there. Short answer to that is computer control. The long answer to that has to do with natural, artificial, and strategic intelligence, and also the computer control game, and also the retraces for outsiders, and also that outsiders are not players in the computer control game, but we're just talking about one thing today, and that is natural intelligence. Specifically, re-segments 10 through 13, uh don't talk phone jeez man the natural intelligence doesn't always live up to its reputation does it <laughs> okay uh so what we're talking about today is just a recap doing a recap of uh Re-10 through re 13 four segments from the early days of retrace let's talk for a second here we've recapped the strategic intelligence segments which were like the first five of retrace then the Artificial intelligence, which is our first pass segments, those, first, those four segments, which were the first pass that we took at artificial intelligence as such. Before, we had things like Russell and Norvig's uh, uh, phenomenon as the center of artificial intelligence being intelligent agents. We started, to, we started from the point of thinking maybe that it's about intelligent artifacts. After all, artificial intelligence it's in the name artifact artificial artifice maybe maybe not maybe not okay so if art, if artificial intelligence is about let's say intelligent agents from the technical point of view and intelligent artifacts from the more philosophical abstract high-minded low-minded messy-minded point of view and the phenomenon of strategic intelligence is to do with intelligence agents the spies and all of their agencies and support structure what about naturally evolved intelligence what about naturally evolved good old-fashioned biological intelligence well it's the source of it all there's no strategic intelligence without the beginnings and then the maturation of natural intelligence there's no uh artificial intelligence without natural and strategic intelligence so we've gone back to the beginning what is it is like earth four billion years old and, and it and it did life. life started after a bit like i think it was two billion years is the, the primordial soup had a success, a replicator, and then, uh, and so it's taken about Earth about 2 billion years, more or less, to produce human-level natural intelligence. Um, okay, so that's where we're at, but it's taken like 5,000 years, I mean, depending on when you start the clock. When do we start? With our first artifact? Stone tool? Hand axe? That was probably the first one. And now we've got Alpha zero. Okay, let's talk about what we talked about. Let's not talk about what we're talking about. Let's talk about what we talked about. Um, we'll start with re10. Okay, just to give you an overview, re10 was about guessing, checking, and fighting. We're looking for the essence. What is natural intel Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody can define this thing. This is intelligence abstractly that would cover both natural and artificial, and nobody even tries to cover strategic, but they should. Nobody can define it just you know like in terms of things like iq and a very specific domain of the natural world the human the modern human mind um i don't know i don't I mean people will say that their definition is good or they've got a good enough definition good enough definition is different good enough is depends on what you're doing for podcasting none of them are good enough but for engineering modern civilization yeah they found some that were good enough okay what about travel uh this was just something that's so what you know if, if, if natural intelligent naturally intelligent things do things like guessing checking and fighting to guess another day uh, they also seem to do something like travel and I don't just mean here uh, moving around in physical space the way we get on a plane or a boat or a car in a car and tr- and move around deliberately we're talking about mental time travel space and time travel in uh, mentally um, and then there are a lot of things to think of I mean, this was the this was probably the biggest stretch of the segments because i don't think people know what i'm talking about and i don't know how to make it clear what i am talking about with that but i'm going to try again one more time here before we wrap up this recap then there's aliens okay if we're talking about natural intelligences we have you know we can't just talk about what's on earth right it's almost guaranteed that there's intelligent life out there somewhere how far and whether it's it could visit us in physical principle, or whether it has visited us—way more controversial. Um, but everyone seems to agree. Everyone of a certain kind of mind seems to agree that uh, it's likely that it's out there. Let's talk about those in natural intelligences, assuming, of course, that they are natural intelligences, and that they're not uh, von Neumann probes or, or Bryce. What's the bright the some kind of probe? Anyway, you know there there are they're AIs, the AIs of a different civilization or a different. Uh, biological kingdoms um engineering feats what am i talking about all right the care factor what about a constraint on intelligence as we talk a lot about what intelligence can do what can't intelligence do natural intelligence Uh, i think that's that's hogland and frankfurt of frankfurt especially the care factor the importance of what we care about okay that's the overview Let's just uh, go through the abstracts. I think that's, that's going to be quicker than going through the, de- you know, sort of um, doing a high flyover of the detailed notes, but we'll jump over as we need to. Okay, living to guess another day. So rocks can't listen to podcasts. So there is a difference between intelligent things or smart things and things that are not. Um, we are both smart and dumb. Uh, I don't want to elaborate that. It's just the idea that like we're brilliant, but we also do dumb things, like the you know intellectual equivalent of stubbing our toes all the time. Guessing and checking answers are powerful uses of intelligence. True things seem to stay true and assert themselves over time. Barlow, Horace, I think Horace, right? Barlow on uh, guessing as detecting new non chance patterns in redundant sensory messages to improve predictions. That's in Oxford Mind. His article in Oxford Mind. McPhail um, on the disconnect. We talked about McPhail's uh, McPhail's observation that. There's a disconnect between learning and intelligence amongst many uh many uh so arguably intelligent species of of life um or animal uh Barlow also uh talked about perception being central to intelligence if it, you know it, it, maybe that's what it's all about is this ability to guess that, that might define what intelligence is um is about detecting new non chance patterns i e uh perception so the the better your perception the more intelligent you are. Um, and then, you know, grounding it in information theory to find an absolute measure of intelligence. I, find, I found it interesting, his, his, uh, his proposal there, but I, I can't relay it. I, I didn't re- absorb it uh, deeply enough. IQ is always a controversial thing. Does it measure intelligence or does it measure just IQ testing or, or the ability to take IQ tests? Science and logic. Um, are guessing and checking in a sense you can look at them as methodologies and methods for guessing and checking uh richard feynman the the great physicist uh talked about uh, how to do science the cargo cult science is is the uh the enemy and um you want to a few things that you want to do the key things are things like reporting everything you find don't don 't suppress some of your data uh don 't fool yourself you're the you're the easiest person to fool and then of course don 't fool other people um, the Machine. There's a yin-yang between machines and humans because we made them to do this. We don't build machines to do what we do easily. We build them to do what we find difficult. So there's sort of a yin-yang happening between us. Um, fight or flight is, uh, uh, these are things that intelligent things do, but the environments partially or maybe largely determine whether fight or flight is intelligent. So if you, you know, you get the wrong answer, you guess the wrong answer, your fight might've been dumb. Fighting that big guy might've been dumb or fleeing from that tiny little mouse might've been dumb. So it's, it's not as straightforward as it seems. Darwin, I talked about Darwin, uh, something about Darwin. I mean, anyway, he didn't publish. He wasn't, um, he wasn't encouraged to publish by someone he was, uh, who, who was threatening, or who was on his heels. It was just because he was busy. At least that's one of his leading scholars' conclusions, uh, more recent conclusions. And then I pointed out that science is recent, babies are not. I don't know what I was talking about there. Go check it out. Travel. Smart things travel, dumb things just move. Uh, the difference is inside the thing. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's, I think that's the best way of thinking about it. When I'm talking about int- the connection between intelligence and travel, you can't tell the difference between, I mean, from a macroscopic point of view, an intelligent entity moving around and well hmm, Brownian motion is probably the most okay look it you you have to be intelligent to tell the difference between a, a human buzzing around the earth and a mo, a molecule um but the difference in, in terms of in terms of intelligence is what's inside the thing not no i mean you could you can make machines behave dumb uh, mechanical contraptions behave intelligently in, in ways that that look the seem you know in certain time slices and space you know restricted spaces closed systems like intel- like the intelligent behavior of this you know billiard ball or something you know however you arrange it but that, what's inside the billiard ball or not inside the billiard ball and what is inside the mouse or the human moving around that's the difference that's what makes the difference between travel and motion, so says I um Time travel is done mentally. We, we travel through time, in a sense, uh, by thinking about the future and the past. Uh, or, or even, um, well, and then we time travel through space in the same way, thinking about different places right now. If we're not time traveling, we're thinking about the present moment. What's going on in Syria? What's going on in South Africa? What's going on at the World Cup? What's going on uh, outside? Okay, The marshmallow test, um, there's, this is controversial now because they couldn't reproduce it. I, I don't i think it, it fell to the reproduction crisis in uh psychology and other sciences but the the idea is that you can predict a child's success uh from a certain age I think five eight years old at some point they um do or don't have this capacity and skill set to resist one marshmallow for a few minutes so you can get two and um and if you just give them that test and then send them out into the world go check on them later and the the two marshmallow kids are doing way better um and, but the reason it's interesting is not because you can distinguish between kids who are going to be more or less well adjusted to the world, but it's because you can. The argument was in the book, forget the guy's name. Um, that I almost know his name, uh, was that you can, you can teach it. You can teach the skills to resist the skills of resisting the marshmallow. But then it was like later people looked at it and it's like, well, these kids who don't resist the marshmallow, they, they've been betrayed already. They're like eight years old and they've experienced betrayal. I'm not already. I mean, eight years old is plenty of time for betrayal, um, in a kid's life. That's a long time. Um, and so maybe that, then it wasn't really about, you know, anything innate or any skill set that they didn't, did or didn't have their, their rational analysis of the world led them to believe like, yeah, he says he's coming back with two marshmallows, but I, I see a marshmallow there and people like him have screwed me i'm telling you we should eat this marshmallow okay so that's what so marshmallow test don't take it too seriously it's interesting um but i'm I, I don't think it's as resolved as it seemed at one time oh marshmallow test uh okay uh space and time or quant oh that yeah of course everything when you drill down to the bottom you got to go to our best and leading uh, th- physical theories so we, the two mutually incompatible or currently um not integrated theories of physics are f- for the small the qu- quantum theory and for the large um i think it's quantum field theory is the best way to just to, to that's like the latest or the the, the predominant i don't know i'm not a physicist and then um and then general relativity for the big scale stuff and nobody's really you know come up with quantum gravity yet uh, but they're weird okay general relativity means we can do time travel in the um, forward direction, but not the backward direction. So, like, if, if, depending on how fast you go with respect to some observer, like your family at home, um, if you travel really fast, uh, go far away, and then come back, they will have aged a lot. You will have aged a little. We've already confirmed this with high precision wristwatches on astronauts going into space. And then at the quantum level, it's 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 bizarre. Like, it seems depending on how you interpret the behavior of subatomic particles. Uh, I mean, first of all, we, it seems that the the um, uh, what's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle I think it's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle where you can't know the position and velocity of a particle you have to pick one you you can't and the act of observing it collapses it into a state but before it's in that state it's in a probabilistic state yeah it's freaking weird if it happened at the macro level we would have no no biology and no nothing because nothing would be reliable i don't know i mean i mean it is happening at the macro level but i've never run experiment uh, universes uh as experiments so don't listen to me okay so but anyway the world the world uh, uh of space and time are quantum and relative and bizarre mental time travel is not hard for intelligent things to do hinton's five jeff hinton one of the uh founding fathers of deep learning uh talks about in in um uh what's his uh uh uh, martin ford's book uh the interview book um about how he how he why he left psychology he ran this experiment where he was supposed to like you know try and trick a kid into you know uh, uh sort of explaining what sh- simple shape should be which color you know sort of what does what patterns is this kid capable of um Recognizing. And then the kid um, came out and said, hey, look, you messed this up. You were supposed to put these two together and you made this mistake. So the kid had already modeled Jeff Hinton and what he was doing and had, you know, uh, imputed or or interpolated into Jeff Hinton's mind what the thoughts that, you know, the intentions that he had and then the mistaken thought that he had. So Jeff Hinton was like, I'm done with psychology. I got to go build uh, machines because these psychological theories are totally inadequate. Okay that's what that's that's jeff Hinton's five year old um reflexes in mental travel, yeah, so like you know our animals are reflexive animals expressing or you know exhibiting intelligence versus i don't know it's it's who knows um and then what are the essential elements of intelligence is travel one of them okay, aliens, how does one think versus what does one think this is the most crucial thing I get this from Hitchens it's cited in the notes it's the idea that What you're going to think changes over time, but how you think is is determines whether or not you should be trusted with you know uh, the attention of an audience, let's say, or whether you should trust yourself. Um, So you might think at one time, oh, aliens are totally real, and you might think at another time it's totally impossible, and you might believe in religion at one time and then not at another. The question is, how are you thinking about what you've perceived, what you what you think you know, um, and is is your how is your method and your methodology from which the method comes is it eventually going to get you is it going to tend to get you to right answers or or not are are you going to be doing significantly better than a coin flip on any given decision problem uh so how you think is more important than what you think at any given time um and so on the topic of aliens let's say you know your your reputation is always at risk the crazies are always going to make you look bad uh if you're th- if you're talking about the same thing they are there's a risk there um witnesses of, of this i think it goes back decades and decades and arguably you know centuries depending on how you interpret uh long longer Ago, historical evidence but they seem to be serious witnesses to this stuff seem to be serious about what they've seen whether or not they're right about what they've seen they seem, they're they definitely serious it's not a bunch of goofballs or crazies um, science is inadequate for investigating strategically intelligent evasive entities science demands public hypotheses assumptions of uni- the uniformity of nature see Hume on that uh, and the requirements of uh, and, and has requirements of reproducibility none of that applies to um, smart creatures that are, that are as smart as you were, or roughly as smart as you in trying to evade your detection or evade your comprehension even if you do detect them um them thinking it could be it could be m- many things it could be one thing it could be nothing uh you, you know, always be careful when you're talking about they or them aliens or, or, or anything else um documents can be manipulated uh but we need to consider this consider the alien problem seriously or the alien hypothesis seriously uh in all of its forms or we are accepting huge attentional blind spots finally the care factor um it so so frankfurt says that there's this he the way he describes it or the way he terms it is uh, volitional necessity that there are some things that we do not because we have no choice and not because we um uh, because we you know we choose to do them but because we feel like we could not do anything else i i'm not gonna do justice to this it's he's a he's a really insightful philosopher but um man he goes so deep on some stuff that it's kind of hard to to bring it back up and just put it in a little nutshell volitional necessity it's like it's he gives you know i think like martin luther as an example but i don't think martin luther actually said the thing that is attributed to him i think i looked into it but you know 95 theses bang on the door of the whatever church um and then someone asks him you know why did you do it and what what was it why did you decide to do it? he's like because i i could do nothing else how how could i do anything else other than that it's so obvious that this must be done and it's like well it's not obvious and it's not that it must be done because no one else is doing it you did it but it's obvious and and a necessity it's a volitional necessity to you okay so that's what that's about um hoglin talks about how you know there's an argument to be made that it 's impossible to understand natural language without having lived uh, something like uh, a human life to, to understand what the the weight and consequences of you know terrible things happening to your loved ones or your your body uh, uh, you know wonderful things happening without having had those experiences it 's really hard to understand what humans are What humans mean, what the significance of language is, and obviously computers don't give a damn. They have not had any of these experiences, and until they do, not that we even can conceive right now of what that would look like, um, they will not understand natural language. And this is something he's writing in the early 80s, I think both of them are. Um, This is something to think about when you get impressed by large language models, the GPT, uh, chat GPT, generative, pre-trained transformer is with that transformer architecture we're talking about we talked about last time doing a transformer architecture um you get impressed by a chat bot that seems confident and you know i mean not just any chat bot but like gpt ch- chat gpt which is all the rage the last week or two although i think it's been out for longer than that anyway just remember G- uh, uh, a chat gpt has not lived a life and hogland says that that means it does not uh, no one's saying it some people do say these things are self-aware but nobody i don't think anybody really agrees that that can be be, um, that's a meaningful statement yet existential holism is the is the fancy philosophical term that um, hogland puts on this idea that you need to have lived you know you need to have some sort of understanding of living a life in order to understand something like language um Defining the word care logical causal you know logical and causal necessity are to be distinguished from volitional necessity, and then uh what's unthinkable to an intelligence is um, based on what they care about and I'm not going to like call you know you can just imagine mothers and children friends and family uh, you know um, allies and enemies sort of there are things that you're just you know to do them would be unthinkable even if it made rational sense if it was in your interests in your um you know, your objective function uh, uh, or your gradient push you in that direction. This volitional necessity is the thing that can resist the pressure, the, the force of the gradient. How about that? Let's say that. We'll make it half fancy and half concrete. Okay, that's it. Um, all that stuff that you just saw is at notes.retrace.com. We'll put out uh, the abstracts in today's notes, re81notes, R A uh, T R A dot E.com. Tonight's a double header. So, in about 40 minutes, we're going to go live again and we're going to talk about, uh, well, best first search. Look, the real thing we need to do, we're in the math and code event. December to remember for amo 4 e preparation for amo 4 e deep dive, January to June inclusive 2023. We're doing math and code in December, also doing catch up on these recaps that really should have been done already, but we're doing them now, now that we know that we need them so much. Um, What we need to do now is figure out how to give a problem, whatever the hell a problem is, to lines of code so that the lines of code will solve that problem. Okay, signing off.